Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hope everybody is doing okay. And y'all, what a week. Man, what a week. Uh, Let's just start off, you know, with Florida State University and obviously uh, the college football playoff upset uh, of not inviting the Seminoles uh, to the big dance. And that has gotten all kind of ridicule, not just from Seminoles, y'all, but from Rattlers, from Hurricanes, from Gators. Uh, from folks that you, you wouldn't even count on their support, but the support has come from everywhere in, in simply saying that the, the, the Noles deserve to be uh, uh, for the playoff. But I don't know about you, but I was watching that thing, man, and it was uh, it was a little scary. When I, when I saw Texas popped up, pop up, I, I knew it was a problem, and y'all may remember that our guest last week, Joey Galloway, who, by the way, was one of the folks uh, uh, laying out the CFP top four. Uh, he sort of gave us a hint that even if Florida State won against Louisville, the, that the Seminoles might not make it. Uh, basically, uh, for no other reason than uh, the question of, of quarterback and offense. Uh, but listen, man, uh, to the Seminoles, congratulations. Uh, y'all are y'all are number one in our book. So, so uh, moving on, we do... I need to congratulate the soccer team, though, because those ladies continue to win national championships. And uh, so we want to, on a positive note, uh, send a shout out to that soccer team and say congratulations for yet another title. Uh, We got to try to get all of them on the show one day uh, because those those girls are amazing. And but I got to tell you, y'all, as we dive into the latest highlights uh, of an exceptional year, we have to talk about the Florida A&M Rattlers, the football team, Uh, the excitement and the achievements just keep piling up, y'all. The Rattlers secured their spot in the Celebration Bowl, which will be held on December 16th, uh, following a historic win in the SWAC championship. Uh, This victory not only marks FAMU's first SWAC title, but also a significant milestone for our distinguished guest today, y'all. And joining us is the man behind the coaching brilliance, uh, y'all, the architect, I would like to call him, of a, a FAMU's football uh, phenomenal success. And don't leave this out, the SWAC Coach of the Year. Y'all, I'm talking about head coach Willie Simmons, great friend of the show. Coach Simmons, how you doing, man? Man, Sean, I'm doing well. Uh, great to be on with you guys. Man, congratulations, Coach, uh, on an extraordinary season for you and the Rattlers. Uh, how does how does it feel to lead Florida A&M to its best season since 1998 and securing 11 wins, a conference championship, and, hey, now a spot in the Celebration Bowl? How does that feel? Well, it feels great. Uh, it's an amazing uh, accomplishment for this this, this program. Uh, you know, this group of guys, uh, this university and this alumni base, this fan base, um, you know, they've been rocking with us since 2018 when we got here and the overwhelming support that we've received. We're just glad to finally be able to give it back in the form of a championship and celebration bowl berth. And 
it's been a magical year, and I uh, hope we can keep this thing going one more one more week. Yeah, right. Uh, listen, man, the, the defense in Tallahassee has been exceptional. Everybody was talking about Florida State's defense and how they they kept the nose in that game, that Louisville game. I mean, but for them, uh, you know, who knows what would have happened in keeping that team from their 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 frequent. Uh, and weekly 33, 36 points that they're used to scoring. But the Rattlers' defense has been exceptional this season as well, ranking in the top 25 in 12 categories. Uh, Coach, what do you attribute the, the defensive success of the Rattlers, and how has it played a pivotal role in the team's achievements? Well, I can't talk about the defense without giving uh, you know, a huge shout-out and kudos to our head coach of the defense, Ryan Smith. Uh, you know, Smitty Rock, as we as we call him, has been with Smitty me. Rock. Smitty Rock. <laughs> I like <laughs> been, that. Been with me since 2018. Started out as a linebackers coach and uh, was promoted to defensive coordinator in, in the 21 season. And since then, we've been 10th nationally, um, fifth nationally, and, and now this year, you know, second nationally as of today. You know, in total defense and, and like you said, top 10, top 25 in most statistical categories. And so he's the architect. Uh, the staff, you know, that, that we have here works extremely hard to, to put these young men in the best position to be successful. And uh, we have some really talented and, and self-motivated driven young men who hold each other accountable, you know, who who, who uphold the standard that, that this defense is set for itself. And every time they take the field, they take it with the purpose to be the very best. And, uh, and they've shown throughout the year that they are indeed one of the top defenses in all of America. Coach, winning winning the SWAC championship and going undefeated in the conquer in in the conference is historic uh, for the Rattlers. It would be for any team. Uh, can you share some insights with us into the team's mindset right now, particularly uh, in preparation uh, for where you're headed here over the ne- in the next week? Well, like I said, this team is, is driven. Um, we have a veteran leader. We have a veteran team. A lot of older guys. Uh, you know, we have over 25 young men on this on this team who've already graduated. You know, who are playing as graduate students. So it shows you the the maturity of this team. And uh, you know, it's just a, it's a daily process. You know, these guys really embrace the, the the grind, so to speak. You know, they don't come out complaining about practice. They're they're excited to hit the field. And we practice early in the morning. You know, so they're excited about the chance to hit the field, about the chance to get better. And, you know, we talked about it to start the season. We're only guaranteed 11 games. And, and, and we'll, we'll be blessed to receive a 12th and, and definitely a 13th. And, and these guys have put the work in to be able to play a 13th game, which gives us a chance to, to win an HBCU National Championship. So the, the morale of the team is high. The energy is, is through the roof. The focus is there. And uh, I, I think this team is, is continuing to do the things that it takes every day to, to give themselves a chance to be successful on the biggest stage. Which we'll, which we'll step into, you know, here in a few days. Well, Coach, the the upcoming uh, Cricket Celebration Bowl uh, will be played in Atlanta uh, next week at noon. Uh, hoping for great weather. <laughs> uh, uh, you'll won't, be playing won't high- matter this time because we're won't matter this time. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, y'all will be playing Howard University. Uh, that's a significant uh, matchup. Uh, and I wonder what what are the key elements in your mind when you when you when you take the Howard team and you take your team. I mean, what do you have to focus on to secure a victory and claim the HBCU Division One National Football Championship title? Well, I, I'm a firm believer that anytime you're in a championship 
type of event, whether it's football, basketball, boxing. I'm a huge boxing fan. Um, I think it comes down to which uh, which fighter, which team is able to stick to their identity the longest. You know, it, it's the it's a test of, 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 of skills. It's a test of philosophies. Um, you know, you got two of the best teams in black college, these two best teams in black college football going toe-to-toe. And so they're not in this place because they're uh, a bad team. They're in this place because they're a really good football team, and we are as well. And so there are things that they do extremely well, uh, and there are things that we do extremely well. So which which team can do those things extremely well come next Saturday, and which team can try to neutralize those things? I think that's what it's going to come down to. So obviously, you know, there are always uh, plays here and there that can swing a game. You know, turnovers are huge in these type of games. Special teams always play a huge role in, in championship formats. So for us, it's about doing what we've done all year, uh, aside from one game. The one game that we lost this year, we were very, very poor in the turnover uh, margin. We, we turned the ball over five times against South Florida. And so we can protect the ball. Uh, if we can, you know, stop the run on defense and eliminate the big plays, uh, I, I think we're good enough to, to you know, to, to, do, to play our game and uh, come out of Atlanta with a huge win and, and FAMU's first national championship, like you said, since, since uh, 1998. Right, I, t- I tell you, I, you know, you're 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 talking about playing in the dome, uh, and I can only imagine, you know, a player getting to run out of that locker room, man, and getting ready to play for a national championship. Uh, do you find it difficult to keep their minds in the right place in order to execute your plan? Well, you know, obviously that's a daily challenge. And uh, it's not just the championship game. It, it, it's really the entire year. Uh, you're talking about 18 to 23-year-olds, um, you know, here in the capital city, you know, where you have uh, close to 80,000 college students. And so you can imagine the, the, the temptations and, and, and the distractions uh, that are here in the capital city. So we constantly talk to the young men about, you know, the, the mindset that it takes to, to be a champion. And the sacrifices that you have to make on a daily basis in the form of, you know, staying up late, hanging out, putting things in your body that, that aren't conducive to you performing at the highest level. And so, we just, you know, the, the mental approach you have to take uh, is so critical. And, and this game is no different. We'll be in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, the, the one of the, the, the best cities in America for, for blacks. And we'll be there for four days. And so can we stay focused and locked in? And, and and keep the main thing the main thing. We're going up there on a business trip to, to win a national championship. And so the the bowl will obviously have some events for us to kick kick back and have some fun. Uh, but we're not there to hang out. We're not there to party until the game is over. You know, we're not right, going to win a right. football game. So just lock in on what we need to do. Uh, we, can, we, we talked to the guys about it. Um, I challenged them the very first team meeting we had. You know, once we knew we were going to, going to play in the Celebration Bowl, and it was a simple challenge. How mature are we? To uh, I mean, are we mature enough to go up there and take care of business? That, that's, that's basically what it boils down to. Do we have the emotional maturity as a football team of destiny to go to Atlanta, playing for a national championship, and lock in to where we need to? If we do that, I think the results take care of themselves. If we don't, much like other teams have that are going in as a heavy favorite, um, you know, we could find ourselves having a similar outcome as those teams, and, and we definitely don't want that to happen. Wow. Listeners, if you're just tuning in, we are talking to Coach Willie Simmons, and we're talking about, well, just the amazing success 
of this football team and these young men and these great coaches uh, as they now get ready to head to Atlanta and compete for the national championship uh, in the Celebration Bowl. And they're facing Howard. And, Coach, there's you know been some scuttlebutt and some back and forth about Howard having the kind of physicality that is different than what you face um, so far. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, but – but how does that um, how does that reflect on your plans in this game and how you get them prepared? Well, I think you know obviously they they have to develop their identity, and so I think they're Howard's that they want their identity to be that they're physical smash mouth football team, uh, and, and that's that's oftentimes what you get when you face. So teams. they created that narrative. <laughs> well, I mean, we hadn't created it, you know, but I, it's, it's been created somewhere. So. I think, you know, obviously whenever you play a team from the north, um, that's typically what they want to pride themselves on. You know, when you play teams from the south, it's typically about how fast we are. Okay. There's certain preconceived notions about the region teams come from. You know, I, I remember a couple of years ago when, when Michigan played University of Georgia, you know, and they came in with the, you know, with the run the ball shirts, all the linemen had the run the ball shirts on, and they were going to, you know, they, they they had the Outland uh, Trophy winner, and they won the award for best offensive line in the country. And you know they were going to physically impose their will against the University of Georgia, and uh, and, and it obviously did not uh, <laughs> turn out the way that they had hoped. Uh, absolutely uh, right. You know, Georgia beat them pretty handily. So you know, again, I, our guys will know that they will understand that Howard prides themselves on being the, the, the more physically dominating team. That's what they're going to come into the game saying. They know that they know they're not faster than we are. Um, they know they're not as explosive as we are. So they have to say they're going to be more physically dominant. Wow. Coach, you are a, a big name out there, and, you, you know, you've played football all your life and, and a decorated um, um, leader in, at the Clemson, in Clemson football, uh, amazing football program. And you're a student of the game. So we, we come to a time where, uh, similar to back in 2004, when Auburn uh, went undefeated and didn't make it to the playoff. And uh, we had a switch from um, one way of doing it to the BCS, right? And now we come almost full circle with another team that's undefeated, didn't make the playoff, but we're moving from a 14 playoff to a 12 team playoff. We've got the transfer portal uh, just, exploding right now uh nil is we read about something there every day uh how do you look at where we are in college football and and are we healthy or are we are we are we uh needing some some uh i guess some workshops and some uh some new decisions to make sure that the future of football is sustainable well one thing i could say with certainty um i don't think the future of football of college football is in jeopardy <laughs> i think there's too much excitement yeah I it's think, big I think, and it's yeah, big think, it's even yeah. bigger it's even bigger <laughs> i think fan bases are too are too passionate um so i don't i don't worry about the game itself um i, I think it's always going to be in a position to to, to profit um i think the, the challenge that we have obviously it, 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 you know, trying to create a system that creates, you know, competition, that creates parity, that creates, uh, you know, a, a drive to where the excitement can stay where it is. 
Um, there's, there's no perfect system, right? You know, you look at the old days of the, 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 the just the voting uh, where there was the bowl system and people voted for a champion. So then you had co-champions and, you know, it, it was just so at some point they say, hey, we need to have a true <laughs> national champion. So the BCS was created. Well, then that wasn't perfect. You know, there were some flaws with the BCS. And then they came up with the college football playoff and a 14 playoff. And, well, you got five power conferences. So how does that look? And so now they've expanded it to 12 starting next year. But you look at this year where you have a team, you know, like Florida State that's on the outside looking in. And it's, it's never going to be a perfect system. And there's always going to be controversy. And um, I think that's a part of, of you know, the game. Um, I don't know if there's ever, if there'll ever be a system that's perfect. You, the FCS playoffs, uh, you know, expanded to 24 teams last year. Well, guess who was one of the teams on the outside looking in last year? <laughs> Florida yeah, A&M. Rattles. That's right, Rattles. Florida A&M. That's right. Nine and two, nine and two you know, nine uh, Division One wins, one FCS loss, I mean, uh, FBS loss, uh, and one FCS loss, and a selection committee teams that you know had worse records than us and so even in the 2014 field there's going to be teams left out the ncaa basketball tournament has 64 teams well there's always last four in first four out right? so there's always that's these, right those bubble teams so yes i i felt you know terrible for florida state i mean this is our other hometown team i have a personal relationship with coach novell and you know, Ron Dugans and Coach Hagans and Corey Fuller and, and a lot of guys on that staff. You know, so I really wanted to see Florida State in the playoffs. I really wanted both teams to have a chance to win national championships. You know, unfortunately, they, you know, they, they didn't get that opportunity because of a system that, you know, is flawed. It's not perfect. And um, But it, it, it's just, again, there's no there's no right way to do it. Had, you know, and I hate to be the, the voice of reason, but had Florida State gotten in, well, we hear the, the you know the Florida State fans upset right now, rightfully so. They have every right to feel uh, disrespected, and I and I and I share those sentiments. But had they got in, and Alabama had not gotten in, I mean, <laughs> you got a whole bunch of Bama fans saying we won the SEC, the the, the quote unquote best conference in America, and we didn't get into the playoffs. You know, if Texas doesn't get in. They're saying, well, we beat Alabama, and Alabama gets in, and we don't. I mean, so any any fan base, any scenario, somebody, any scenario, yeah, you there, got there something wasn't a scenario on the other side. Exactly, that wasn't going to be in a situation where a, a deserving team would get left out. And so, I, I really hate it, you know, for Florida State. I, I, I you know, really, uh, you know, it, it's just a situation. I, I felt that, and, and not on that scale, obviously, because the college football playoff is such a huge financial gain to the university and to the conference. I mean, you know, to this state. I mean, we all wanted a representative of this state, obviously. Um, you know, but again, because of just the human element of it, which will always be the case, I think we're going to always find ourselves having this conversation at the end of the year, you know. And so um, they're trying to get it right. You know, expanding it to 12 uh, will help situations like this. So we won't have a situation anymore where I believe a conference champion will be left out, the undefeated team will be left out, but there will be some group of five team that has a phenomenal season that's left out of it because their center schedule is not good enough. There will be some power five team that's maybe lost two games or three games to ranked teams, you know, maybe number one or number four, number five, and they get left out because they have three losses, you know, so it's always yeah, going to be yeah. teams that, that on paper their resume can, can, can support it, 
but also you can understand, you know, why somebody went in another direction. So um, it, it's definitely a talking piece, you know. It, it's definitely going to affect the fan base tremendously. In this case, it's affected ours because we are Florida State fans here in this in this area. And um, I hate it for these young men because they deserve it. It's hard to go undefeated. It's increasingly difficult to go undefeated. It doesn't happen very often in college football. And then you have a situation where you don't get it because of an injury, because that's the only justification, as we all know. Yeah, it's the only one they use. Injury. Yeah, absolutely. And so you hate it because of it's the starring quarterback. It's, it's, it's a Heisman Trophy candidate. It's the ACC Player of the Year. You know, a guy who has such a profound impact on this team's production he has a freakish injury in a game that's not a conference game. You know, it, it's really just a terrible, terrible, uh, you know, string of bad luck, so to speak. And, um, you know, but, hey, we, we took our disappointment last year and we used it as fuel for this year. And I know that's not a consolation prize for any Seminole listening. And I know right now it still hurts and stings. But when I left that team meeting last year, when we, were, when we found out that we weren't in the playoffs, I said, never again will we allow someone else to control our destiny. And we went on a mission to, to get ourselves to this point, and we've done that. So I have 100% confidence that Coach Norvell will drive that same message home to his team and that this is not the last year here at the Florida State Seminoles. Well, Coach, you, listen, you've been gracious with your time, man. And uh, thank you for being a friend of the show and coming on whenever we need to hear your voice. Um, and you know we congratulate you. And uh, we're always doing it on our own, but we certainly want to do it when we're talking to you. So you know how grateful we are uh, for your work and for you know what you teach these kids, both on the field and off the field. It's uh, significant, and uh, you know not every coach uh, you you can't always see it from the sideline. What a coach, the impact he has on kids, and how much he loves them. But we can see that from you, and it means a lot. It means a lot. I don't have any sons, but if I had one, you know I'd want him to have your tutelage. So, man, so thank you for all that you do. I do want to say this because, you know, your name keeps coming up in coaching circles when they're searching for the right uh, coach to do all of what I just said. And uh, I just wonder, and I know the listeners would be mad if I didn't ask you, you know, how do you, how do you, I'm not going to ask you directly. <laughs> what I'm going to ask you, though, is what is your philosophy on how do you, approach career decisions and, and what factors do you weigh in uh, when you think about your your strategy and trajectory for the future? Well, um, obviously for me, the, the number one um, consideration is, is my family. You know, I have an amazing wife uh, who's my biggest supporter, biggest cheerleader. Uh, she's a product of this area. You know, we both grew up here and, you know, she loves this area. And so they're... they're the, any any opportunity outside of Florida and them would, would first have to appease her. <laughs> so that's where it starts first and foremost. Um, you know, I have kids to consider. You know, they're in a great school and, you know, they, they become, uh, you know, just ingrained in this community. And, and my, my entire family's here. You know, so I, I think when it comes to the decisions about, um, you know, career advancement in any field, not just in the field of coaching, I think the decision's the same, you know, for many people. Uh, money's never been a, a driving force for me. And so it's not necessarily about the money. Um, it, to me, it's about uh, the opportunity to, to, to make a difference. I love being a, the head coach at FAMU. I love this community. I love these young men that I get the, the, the honor to coach every single day. And, and it would really take, the, the in my eyes, 
a job that would allow me to further advance my, my personal um, growth and development, you know, position my family to be to be in a situation where they can continue to, to you know, grow and, and do the things that we want them to do. And, and, and lastly, I want to be able to leave FAMU all better than I found it. You know, there's some unfinished business that we have here, you know, that I want to get done. And so all those things weigh into those decisions for me personally. That may be totally different for other coaches and other situations. Uh, but for me personally, I, I weigh all of those things when it comes time to make a decision about, you know, when the right time is to leave. But in the meantime, I'm going to do the same thing that I tell my team to do every day, and that's be where my feet are <laughs> and embrace enjoy the moment that I'm living in. And that's right now being the head coach at Florida and University. And I, I, I'm, I'm blessed every single day I get to walk into this field house, sit in, these, in this desk at this office, in this office at, uh, at this desk, the same one that, you know, Joe, that Billy Joe sat in and, and Ken Riley and, you know, Joe Taylor and so many other legendary uh, coaches and monumental figures, I get to, to, to be in the same place as these guys and make the same type of impact and difference that they made in the lives of young men. And that's something that I take great pride in. So, you know, again, I know it's a conversation piece. I can't, get a, can't, can't avoid it. Um, but I want Rattler Nation to know that, that they've been very good to me. Uh, my wife and I really appreciate the love that we receive here. And uh, this is something that's easy to walk away from. So when the time comes, if the time comes, um, you know, Rattler Nation will, will definitely understand, I, I believe, uh, because it will be a situation that they look up and say, hey, coach, coach did what he did the right thing. He did what he needed to do. And uh, he left this place much better than he found it. And uh, it can continue to grow because it's in, it, 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 the, the success of FAMU isn't tied to Willie Simpson. The success of FAMU is tied to all of us doing what needs to be done to, to keep it flourishing. And, and this program will continue to move on whenever the good Lord moves me somewhere else, whether it be through retirement, through uh, me taking another job, or through FAMU getting tired of me and running me out of here. <laughs> with <laughs> well, the hope coach, yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. Listen, stay with us for a short Pittman point it's right after this. time for Pittman's Point on 96.1 Jams. Welcome back to the show. And, y'all, a short Pittman point. Simply, the Pittman point today, in the words of the Jackson 5, is give love on Christmas Day. There's no greater gift uh, than to give love. This Sunday, y'all, December 10th, guess what? That's today. We have an opportunity to make a meaningful difference in the lives of children here in Leon County, Florida. Join us, uh, many of us, at the 12th Annual Christmas Party and Toy Drive. It's hosted by a friend and former guest of the show, Leon County School Board member Daryl Jones. It'll be held at the Moon uh, here in Tallahassee, and it begins at 5 p.m. today. Bring an unwrapped uh, children's gift to help us ensure that every child in Leon County receives a Christmas gift. Let's uh, redirect our energy in a positive way. Have some fun with music and entertainment from Tallahassee Nights Live. Tallahassee Nights Live, y'all. And uh, and let's embrace the true meaning uh, of the season. This has been the Sean Pittman Show. And we'll see you at the moon. And we'll see you here on the show in seven. This is the Sean Pittman Show on 96.1 Jams, Tallahassee's big station. We got this.